insurance agents from around the world. Hey, guys, this is Scott Howell with the Insurance Guys podcast. Hey, I've got a question for you guys. How many service calls do you get a day? How about a week? How about a month? More importantly, how many of those calls are revenue generating? If not, why are you still taking those calls? The reality is that clients don't want to call their agent for things like documents, billing, service requests. These are considered non-revenue generating activities that can and should be handled with a client experience platform, CXP. The rule of thumb is, can you rely on your technology to fully accomplish the same thing being asked over the phone? If the answer is yes, give the client that option, please. Now is the time to look into a CXP for your agency, a client experience platform. A CXP is a core system at your agency, just like your AMS, just like your CRM, just like your Raider. Having a client experience platform like Glovebox gives you a leg up on the competition and allows you to focus on sales, which we better all be focusing on because nothing else matters, and high-level service. Get a demo today with one of the Glovebox gurus and mention the Insurance Guys podcast to get 20% off your new CXP. Trust me when I say it's time to jump on the Glovebox platform. I know we've done it here in our agency. We love it. We're desperately trying to get all of our clients on the Glovebox platform, guys. Desperately. We want them on there. We want them to go get their ID cards there. We want to reduce the number of times they call the agency. And, and that frees us up to do more selling. That's all it does. Call today, get a demo, and join Glovebox. Insurance agents from around the world, welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast, powered by Glovebox. God, I love Glovebox. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for iProtect Insurance and Financial Services, based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome, he is a six foot three sophomore from Sarahland, Alabama, parade first team All-American, rivals five-star recruit. He is a fantastic insurance agent and a great American. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and welcome the incomparable Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? Great, Scott. How are you today? I or, am or should I say I'm better than you are today? I am doing the worst I have ever done in my entire life. Sorry to laugh. Guys, this is going to be a very special episode of the Insurance Guys podcast. And as I told everyone before I gave my leadership talk at the One City World Tour, nobody cares what Scott does good, but everybody cares what Scott does horribly wrong. And today's episode of the Insurance Guys podcast is going to focus on my failures. And the hope is that from this, you guys, somebody out there, one, two, three, four, five of your, these agency owners that are out there. And by the way, account managers as well. If you listen to this podcast, the hope is that it helps you in the future, not to make the same mistakes that Scott has made. And that many and, other agency owners have made. 
Well, yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I can't speak for them. And so, Bradley. Yes. I've only talked about this maybe three or four times on our podcast in the past four years. But Scott Howell has a number one rule of insurance fight club. What is my number one rule, Bradley Flowers? Don't steal the money. Don't steal the money. Ladies and gentlemen, yesterday I received a confession from one of my team members that they had stolen the money. And we're going to get into that. We're going to get into that today. We're going to talk about that. But before we do, Bradley, I do want to give the same disclaimer that they used to on the show cops. You remember the show cops, right? Where they Mm -hmm. used to arrest people. And there was some kind of disclaimer that said something like every person on this show that you have seen today is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. So let's lead with that. I am also going to protect the identity of the person involved in this. I do not feel like it's appropriate to, to mention who it is. Do you think it's fair to your other team members to say that it's no one that you've ever talked about on the podcast because people yeah, might be oh, listening yes. and thinking it's, yeah, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It would be, it would not be anybody that they've listened to. I didn't even know who it was. So, yeah. Right. So, Bradley, before we get into the story, which is going to take up the entire hour of this podcast, but again, <laughs> I do think that by listening to this story, everybody that's listening to this podcast, which will probably break the internet because it is going to be. It'll at least uh, break the insurance internet. It, it is going to break the insurance internet. So, guys, before we put our Snuggies on and go get our Orville Redenbacher popcorn out of the microwave to sit on our couch and listen to Uncle Scott tell you all of his failures <laughs> and mishaps, let's just deep dive first, Bradley, into some backstory here. Go ahead, can I, Bradley. Can I say two things real quick? One and I truly mean this, one thing that I've always admired about you is how you are so willing to admit mistakes. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that I think this situation is your fault. You just let it hang out there. Like, like I'm transparent with people and I'll tell people, but I still have a little bit of a problem with just letting it all hang out there. I've always admired that about you is you're, you're, you're completely honest with people when you, when you succeed and, and, and don't succeed. The second thing I would like to say is I have not heard the full version of the story. I only heard the cliff notes last night. And when Scott started talking, I put him on speaker and I literally walked to my microwave and popped popcorn and sat down and was eating popcorn while I was listening to him tell the story. My phone died. I stole my wife's phone and I called him from my wife's phone to finish hearing the conversation. So guys, before we, and I appreciate you saying that Bradley, but before we get started, I want to provide some background information that will kind of help us as we navigate the story to figure all of this out. Okay. And Bradley, please, please feel free to interrupt me at any time. If you have a question or raise your hand and I'll stop. I'm, I'm going to be the peanut gallery with commentary and right. uh, I'll just let you go. Okay. So before we tell the story, guys, most insurance agencies in America are set up the way that our agency is set up. I tell you people every week on this podcast, I am no different than you are. So most insurance agencies in America, and Bradley, please correct me if I'm wrong, have what is known as an operating account. Mm -hmm. That operating account is where all commissions flow into the agency from different carriers. 
And it is also where all your expenses flow out of that operating account, including vendor expenses, payroll, taxes, all that kind of stuff is going to be flowing in and out of your operating account. So that's, that's one account. That's one silo. And I think every agency owner listening to this probably takes a pretty good look at that operating account, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you, that's pretty important. You run out of money in that you run out of business. The second account that most insurance agencies have, and in some cases, there's two of these accounts, and I'm not talking about the brown and browns and the alphabet soup agencies that probably have different silos of operating accounts and different silos of what we call sweep accounts. Some people call those trust accounts, but most agencies either have one sweep account or two sweep accounts. And if you have two sweep accounts, most often you have one sweep account that is what we would refer to as a direct bill sweep account where the only money, you know, premiums coming in from policyholders and then carriers are taking that premium out when they, you know, get noticed that it needs to come out. Some agencies have two sweep accounts or trust accounts. They have the, the direct bill sweep account and they have the agency build or, or some people call it a brokered sweep account. And those two accounts are mutually exclusive because you're kind of trying to keep a separation of church and state there. Our agency is set up with my agency. I protect insurance is set up with one operating account where commissions flow in expenses flow out and we have one sweep account. Now, where that water gets a little muddy is on agency build stuff. Sometimes you'll have, you know, Dang a policyholder will send you money for an agency build account and you have to take commissions out of the mm-hmm. funds that have been sent to us. Those funds are then put into the operating account from that sweep account, that kind of, that kind of thing. And so... Bradley, before I get into this story, mm-hmm. tell me how you're set up. If you don't mind, if you don't want to tell, you don't how have we to. kind of work our agency bill. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. Just how your agency set up. Do you have one operating account, one sweep account, or do you have, how, how's I your have, agency? I have, I'm a little more complex. I have four accounts. So I have, okay. I have a sweep account that we keep basically a balance of a thousand dollars in. So when everything's paid and everything's good, it's just a thousand bucks in there. I have an operating account that I keep. I get really have two operating accounts. It's stupid, but I have an operating account that I keep a large sum of money in, or not a large sum of money, but but a larger amount of money in uh, for th- different things that pop up. And then I have another operating account that I actually pay stuff out of. Mm-hmm. Um, I had I was a little bit uncomfortable keeping a large amount of money in the account that like debit cards attached to. You know what I mean? Right. right. Um, so basically. As stuff needs to be paid, payroll, I transfer it from the big operating account to the little operating account. Probably going to eliminate one of those. And actually, I've already done a few steps to eliminate one of those. And then I have a a business savings, basically. And then everything goes into crypto. I'm kidding. That was a joke. (laughs) So what Bradley has just described probably tells me that a lot of agencies may be set up a little differently. 
You yeah. know, you and I, you and I are set up differently. And dear Lord, sweet baby Jesus, if you're listening to this right now and you are paying agency bill premiums out of your operating account, go to the bank today and sign up for a sweep account. Like it needs to be a completely separate account. And honestly, it probably needs to be a completely separate bank. Mine's at the same bank for convenience, but it really needs to be a separate bank. I think that's an important point in all of this. So all of my business accounts, and that's going to become part of this story, but all of my business accounts are set up with the same banking institution, right? And that will actually kind of help during this story, kind of figuring this out. So the way that we've done it in the past, obviously that is about to change, is I, as the agency owner, reconcile the operating account every month because that's that's our money. That's our commissions. That's the money that we pay bills with. That's what we run. I protect insurance with, and I think it's important that I reconcile that account every month. And I do look at it very closely. Any expenses that are on there that are that I don't know, I go to to my people. Really, just Justin because he does have access to be able to put take money, not take money, but like technologies he may purchase like a technology or something like that so i always check with him and make sure that every expense that's come out of that operating account is correct i look through the checks well here's where scott screwed up bradley and i take full responsibility for all of this this agency is owned by myself clinton or has 10 percent ownership but i take full responsibility for this so I guess back when we went independent, which I believe was in July of 2020, and we got on Hawksoft, I set it up so that I had two account managers every month, the same two. One was a personal lines account manager. One was a commercial. They were responsible for reconciling the sweep account every month. I did a very poor job of meeting with them each month and really deep diving into that reconciliation. Okay. And that's on me. And I take 100% responsibility for that. The point that I'm trying to make to agents out here is I know that most of us spend a pretty good bit of time each month looking at that operating account. Again, that's the money coming in and the money going out. You're probably like me. I even I don't even try to look at the trust account a lot because I don't right. even consider it my money. Correct. It's not my money, you know. So what I was doing is I would print out the trust account statement and quickly review it. But if you print out the bank statement, and here's where I screwed up. When you print out the bank statement in the far left corner or the far left of the bank statement, it would have a check number. And it would be like check number 315, okay? Now, there was a blue, and here's where I screwed up. There was a blue hyperlink that you could click on, and that check would pull up for you if you so wanted to do that. Well, I never bothered because the amounts that were in that sweep account as checks were all a strange amount. Well, I shouldn't say a strange amount. I should say a normal amount, like, $2,142.17, right? And so in my mind, I'm just thinking as I print out this sweep account and quickly kind of review it before I get it to my two account managers at the end of the month to reconcile that that's just 
that's just you know money coming in from a you know check for our for something to do with insurance like somebody's paid it or whatever i never bothered to click on each hyperlink and look at the checks and actually print those checks out never bothered to do that so with that being said i will start the story bradley are you ready i am ready dog so here's where uncle scott starts the story and i hope everybody has their stunt stunt snuggie on and their orville redenbacher's popcorn because chocolate here, here it comes so tuesday of this week i receive an email from a vendor that email came i looked at it and it said hey scott i have attached a january invoice we have never received payment on this invoice well i keep when i write a check to a vendor which now i'm set up on most of my stuff is set up on auto pay there's not but like a, just a few vendors that i still write a check for but this was one of them and I went over here to my filing cabinet because I keep any checks I write, I make a copy of, and I usually attach the invoice to it. And I either, and usually I do it month to month. So I'll have all my January, February, Marches in a different, different manila folder, right? I go over, I look in January, sure enough, there's the same invoice that he sent me and stapled to that is the check that I sent them. And the check amount was $400. So I respond to the vendor. And, and I had done some work with one of his accounts, payables, accounts, receivables, people before, and I still had her email address. So I attached her to the email. I attached my bookkeeper to the email and I attached the vendor marketing person to the email. And I said, well, here's the statement that you sent me. And here is the check that I wrote you. You should have well received it by now. And I asked my bookkeeper, Gina to look in our bank account and make sure that that check had cleared. She comes back to me about an hour later and she says, yes, that check is cleared. I have attached it here, but the check amounts and the person that it was written to and the pay to the order of do not match. So what we have is another Jalen Noel story. Somebody has taken the check out of the mailbox done a home ec project again, and you could clearly see same check number. My signature looks the same, but this time, instead of keeping the same amount, they change it from $400 to 8,000 and it does clear the bank. So this is the second time that has happened in the past month. Now guys, we're not even, we're not even close to the, fi the, the, the big finale here. We're not even close. We're just, we're just doing appetizers right now. And so I'm pissed. This is the second time in a month that that's yeah, happened. You're literally going to steal from someone that could kill you with his bare hands. Yeah, right. He won't, but he could. And so I get on the phone or I, I emailed Gina, my bookkeeper, and I said, I am, we are done with this. Something's going to change. I'm not going through this again. Police reports and affidavits and all this other crazy stuff. So fast forward to about five o'clock that night. This was Tuesday night of this week. I called Gina on the phone and I said, look, I need you to jump on QuickBooks and our operating account. And we need to go over every check that you see in there. Let me verify that it is correct for the past two months. We're really all the way back to J January, 2022. Mm -hmm. 
we start doing that. She's going through checks and we're talking through it. And I'm like, yep, I wrote that one. Yep. I know who that is. Yep. 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 We're, we're just trying to make sure we don't have any more. You're, you're probably kind of like me. You, you can probably look at your QuickBooks and see the check come out and be like, Oh yeah, I know who that was. Correct. And ironically enough, and we'll get to that part of the story in a minute, but we do find two more fraudulent checks. And I'm going to talk about that in a minute, but that happened after this happens, as we're talking through this check situation, my bookkeeper accidentally, not on purpose, accidentally, as she's toggling through these checks and she's got QuickBooks open, she accidentally toggles over to the sweep account. Okay. Total accident. About two seconds after she toggles over to the sweep account, the trust account, she says, Scott. And I said, what? And she said, how many times have I told you if you're going to pay somebody commissions or a bonus, you don't write them a check. You email me and I'll take the taxes out of it on both sides and do it the right way for the purposes of the IRS, right? And she tells me the person's name, which I am not going to say their name today. So we're just going to call her Amy. How many times have I told you? Don't you ever write a check for a bonus or a commission? You sat here and you wrote Amy a check on the sweep account for blah, 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 blah. And I've told you not to do that. And I said, Gina, I have no clue what you're talking about right now. And here we go. She says, hold on just a second. Now we're on the phone. She says, hold on just a second. And then I'm waiting for her to say something and she goes oh my god we've got a big problem and i said never a good thing to have your bookkeeper say and and i say what is it she said well i'm sending you an email right now i have 15 checks dating back to december of 2021 totaling nearly thirty thousand dollars and I'm one of those people, Bradley, that always tries to see the best in people. Mm-hmm. And as soon as she tells me about this, and I'm literally going to my email on my phone and looking at these checks, the first thing I'm thinking about is, well, there, there has to be a logical explanation for this. And it can only be two things. Either somehow we ha- I have an account at Redstone through the business, which I don't, that I forgot about and she's just depositing those and maybe maybe somehow she just made a mistake and she wrote her name in the the four line or maybe and maybe she's depositing them into one of our business accounts that's the first thing I thought now I thought well it's either that or maybe somebody has stolen one of my sweep account checkbooks which I do not write very many checks out of by the way if I do, it's usually something to do with agency build stuff where somebody mm-hmm. needs a refund or something like that. Right. And uh, so I'm thinking of and, just and every the- now and then you'll have a carrier that can only be paid via check. They don't right. have a portal because they're stupid. Right. So I am sitting there thinking about all the possibilities of things that could have happened because every 
this person that we're talking about today is one of those people in every agency has these where you would bet your next 1000 paychecks, they would never do anything. Right. So, so, so you didn't even, even, you didn't even consider that it was this person. Like no, you, you thought somebody all. was hoodwinking her. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And so we talked for about another hour and she's like, something ain't right, Scott. Something there, there's, there's something going on here and we got to figure it out hemorrhaging money out of both accounts hemorrhaging money and so i hung up with her and i called my business partner clinton Orr. i told him to be at the office in huntsville at 9 a.m i print off everything that she sent me via email i told the two account managers i called them and i said hey i need y'all at the office in huntsville at nine in the morning uh we got some stuff we need to go over with we, we've got hit with another fraudulent check didn't tell them anything else and they're like no problem we'll be there so the next morning, this was yesterday morning. Yes, Wednesday morning. I get here at 8.30. I print some more stuff off, print some, some backup of some of these other checks, and I meet them all in the conference room, all four of us, just the four of us sitting in the conference room. And the first thing I do is I go over the, the other now three checks that we have found from people that I have no idea who they are, not my handwriting backup checks where I show where I've, you know, I'm the one that wrote this check and now the same check's been altered. And we determined that none of, none of these people are customers of ours. They're not clients of ours. So these checks are ready to be presented to the bank as fraud, right? And by the way, all of these checks outside of this other story I'm about to tell were all deposited into different banks in the last week or two. So this is, this is like, it's just happened and I've just caught it. So we get finished with that and I open up the manila folder. Now, Clint and I are sitting on one side of the table, conference table, and the two account managers are sitting on the other side. And I would pay $10,000 just to be a fly on the wall in that room, just to watch Scott operate. Yes. Because I bet you operated with such intentionality and almost like a violent calmness about you. Because you're right. really, when things go bad, you kind of calm down. I do. You know what I mean? When you're in, you know, I've been with you and, you know, CD parts of Las Vegas or wherever. And it's like, you just kind of like, which also, if you're like freaking eight foot tall and the, yeah, you know, a grizzly bear, it certainly helps. But anyway, I, I would love to have just seen that unfold. It was the worst day I've ever had in insurance. Uh, and I'm and, sorry for making light of and, that. No, no, no. And the most bizarre day yeah. I've ever had in insurance. Yeah. yeah. I tend to make light of bad situations. Oh, I know. And I, like, hey, I don't mind that a bit. So I finished with these other checks. Tell everybody what Clint's doing through all this. Never <laughs> says one word. Uh, and Not I, one syllable came out of his mouth the entire time we're in the conference room. Not one word. I want to point something out to everybody, too. When you fire someone, always have somebody else in the room. Absolutely. Or have security cameras in your office. Correct. Preferably somebody else in the room. So hats off to you for having, I mean, you know, it was three people in the room, I believe. Mm. Always have somebody else in the room, especially in a situation like this, because like, if this person doesn't want to go to jail, they're going to throw the kitchen sink to try, you know what I mean? Like create any doubt whatsoever. Anyway. So we have finished with the other fraudulent checks and I open up the Nilla folder and I start slowly sliding the 15 checks written in Amy's name across the conference table, one by one, 
one by one, 15 pieces of paper with the checks on them, front and back. And the two account managers that are sitting there have what I can only describe as a look on their face that is a calf looking at a new gate. Heads kind of cocked to the side. The jig is up. Both kind of have this, what is this? What is he showing us right now? So I keep slowly sliding all 15 pages out. And as I finish, I look up at Amy, whose name is on every one of these checks. And I say to her, do you know who this is? My exact words, Amy, do you know who did this? That, that was my exact words. Amy, do you know who did this? Now, all 15 checks are laid out in front of her. She puts her hand kind of to her face for just a second. I'm looking at her dead in her face when, when she finally looks up. She looks up at me with, I can't describe the look, but I told Clint after this was over with, there have been five times in my life when something tragic has happened and I've been present for it. You know, I was present in the Marine Corps for one of my best friends who committed suicide, put a 45 caliber handgun in his mouth and pulled the trigger. I'll never forget his face right before he did that. And by the way, if you're ever present for somebody who commits suicide, when the bullet comes out of the back of their head, it does sound for about two minutes, minute and a half, uh, like a water faucet because the blood's draining out of the back of their head. I digress been about five times that something is indelibly etched on my brain the look in somebody's face this will be number six she looks up at me and i guess the best thing to say is the look she gives me is part fear and part embarrassment is the only way i can describe it and her exact words were it was me i did it now she's not crying yet She's not crying. She's it's, it's almost a resolute. It was me. I did it. And so as soon as she says that I look over at the other account manager and I said, Harley, I'm going to need you to leave the room. And she very quickly stands up, walks out, closes the door. <laughs> she got her ass out of that room in a hurry. <laughs> and by the way, she has a look on her face. Like she's probably got PTSD from this. Like it was, it was that bad. Okay. She probably feels partly responsible because they were supposed to reconcile together. And we're going to get into that. We're going to get into that in just a second. Sorry. So Harley closes the conference room door and we all three, myself, Amy, Clinton, or we sit in complete silence. You could hear a mouse pissing on cotton and nobody's saying anything. For probably 10 to 15 seconds, that felt like an hour. And finally, I break the silence and I say to her, Amy, a lot of really good people have made some bad decisions. A lot of really good people have made some bad decisions. And I said, this was a very bad decision, but I don't feel like this is the appropriate time for me to start doling out moral life lessons. And she said something. I don't remember what she said. And I think at that time she started in on the, I'm so sorry, you don't deserve this. You've been nothing but good to me and my family. You're a good person. 
And you're like, and, shut the hell up. <laughs> or thinking, shut and, the hell up. And, and I will say she did that twice. She did it there in the conference room, and then we'll we'll go through the, the rest of the story, and you can – it happens again. And both times it kind of felt like – and I hate to say this, but I stopped her and I said, that's really not important right now. And I think the reason I did that, Bradley, is because – it's kind of like if you walk if you walk in a bar and somebody hits you in the face and you're hurting really bad and then they start doing this oh I'm so sorry I'm so sorry I didn't mean to hit you or, or you're like what's the, you can't I don't, I don't really want to hear that I don't really want to hear that right can't now. be half pregnant right correct well I, I don't like that either even though we haven't done anything like this I hate when people nothing gets under my skin more than brown nosing I remember having a conversation with my team not long after we opened like the only way to impress me is to be a, a good teammate in production that's it right you're coming in here wanting to know if you can come to my church and and oh hey i got this snack for you and and meanwhile you're you've done a hundred dollars in premium this month like that doesn't negate the other stuff so that kind of stuff right there i would have probably popped off even more because that kind of stuff just gets under my skin like Mm -hmm. Eve, like worse than anything honestly right. i'd rather you come in here and be like because you're such a crappy boss i'm not writing any insurance like okay let's figure it out you know right i'd rather that so i look at her and i say i don't believe that now is the time for me to provide moral life lessons but let me say this amy you cannot allow this bad decision to define the rest of your life. I truly believe that you are a good person. I believe that in my heart, clear eyes, full heart. I believe that. And I believe in my heart that you are a good person that allowed themselves to rationalize and justify making a really, really bad decision. And there were times during this period where we just all sat in silence and didn't really say anything. And she goes ahead and says, Harley didn't have anything to do with this. And then she quickly lets me know that her husband had nothing to do with this. I asked her if she would like for me to call him. And she kind of waffles back and forth. And then she says, well, it might not be a bad idea for you to call him. Let me give you his number. And I did. I called him. Not right that second, but I called him. And we'll, we'll get into that in a minute. So I asked her one question and I will, I will say it's odd that every single person that I have spoken to, including the Huntsville PD investigator that I just spoke to right before this podcast, every single person has asked me the same question. Did you ask her why she did it? And my answer to every person that's asked me that has been, no, I did not ask her that because in my mind, that's not really important anymore. Why you did it is not important. But the one question I did ask her, I said, look, I have only gone back to 2022, January 2022. Am I going to find any more checks in 2021? And her exact response was, well, you'll probably find a few. That was her exact response. Well, since that time, since I've gone to the bank and they've pulled the records, we now have 60 six zero checks totaling close to $100,000. So the next thing I said was, here's what we need to do. I need you to get up and then I'm going to walk you down to your vehicle. 
And what I need you to do is I need you to go home, get all of your business stuff, laptop, printer, files, all this stuff. And I need you to bring it back and you don't have to come back inside. My vehicle is unlocked in the parking lot. Just open the hatchback, the the trunk, and just put everything in there. And so I walk her out the door. She goes into this thing again, how she's going to pay me back all this money that she's so sorry. She's embarrassed. Scott, you don't deserve this. I'm so and you want to be like, sweetheart, unless you were buying crypto, <laughs> you ain't got no money to pay me back. Yeah. She does go ahead and give me her office key. She goes ahead and gives me that on the spot, gets in her vehicle, drives away. I come back upstairs. Everybody then is just sitting in the conference room and looks like they have been shell shocked. It's just not really saying much, uh, doing a lot of just shaking their head. Like I, I cannot believe what just happened. I cannot believe what just happened. And so I immediately call the Huntsville police department and they immediately send an officer over and he comes upstairs with me, reviews the checks, looks at all this. And he says, this is a lot of money. This is a lot of money. I think over a hundred thousand in Alabama's big boy jail. Maybe. I don't know. I did call a friend of mine who is a criminal defense attorney. And I talked to him about it and he said, well, if this is her first offense, more than likely, if she'll hire an attorney, she probably will not serve jail time. She will probably get a suspended sentence and be required to pay restitution. And so I'm filling out reports. Now, one of the things, and Bradley mentioned this earlier that the police officer said to me, and and I'm just giving you guys some background here in case this ever happens to you. And hopefully it does not. It was a good thing that I had three people in the room. All three of us heard her confession. That was a positive. The other thing he said was it really, because I asked him, I said, should I have kept her here for when you got here? And he said, no, not really. That's we're, we're going to interview her anyway, but that really doesn't matter. So I was, they probably weren't going to walk her out in handcuffs that day anyway. Yeah. They were going to let her leave anyway. Right. Uh, And I I do think it was a good decision just to get her Mm -hmm. out of here before all of that. So we had to fill out police statements, police witness statements. And then I had to, and here's where the story gets really interesting. I contact my bank. I tell them what all's happened, money coming out from all directions, just like a sieve. And I said, I do, I need to, because this is of such magnitude, do I need to come up to the bank? And she said, yes, I don't think we need to do this over email, get as much information as you can and come up here and let's sit down and go over all this. Well, by the time I got to the bank at three o'clock, 3 PM yesterday, they had printed out every check with her name on it through 2021 and the, the, uh, the short period of 2022. And so when I get there, that's when I find out that there was not a few checks in 2021. There were 45 checks oh. totaling $100,000, give or take. Dang. I didn't know it was that many. So 60 checks total because there were 15 in 2022 and 45 in 2021 gives a different definition to the word of the words a few so what has transpired since then is uh not really much except we're left cleaning up the pieces 
fortunately we have the personnel, the manpower to own a dime switch roles with some people and have an instant commercial account manager that had been an account manager with us before on commercial. So she's now gone back to taking over that role and we're leaning on our VAs more for the personal lines account manager roles, which they were already in. And as of today, which is, this has only been happened about 24 hours ago. We're just kind of muddling through this and doing a, when I get off this podcast, we're going to start a forensics trail back to when this started to read nothing. I would rather do less than a forensic audit. Yeah. Re-reconcile the sweep account taking into consider. And because one thing we're going to have to figure out is these amounts that she was writing checks for and depositing into her own account. Where's that, where'd that money come from? Where did that money Are there come policies from? that aren't paid? Correct. Correct. Are there policies not paid or because she was the commercial account manager, she knew, and you and I talked about this last night, Bradley, yeah. for a brief minute. I think what she was doing is she was figuring out what the commission owed off of agency build accounts was. Mm-hmm. And the producers are getting paid at the end of the month off statements, but she was taking out of the operating account, uh, out of the operating account. And she was figuring out what commissions were for each agency build account that we wrote. And then she was just writing the commission part of that as hers. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. Cause see I, what some agents do, cause like I got thrown into agency bill, I actually started my agency and didn't know that agency bill was a thing. I didn't either. Um, and what some agencies do or, or what we do is so I have a bookkeeper that actually does the reconciliation and paying the carriers and paying my people. And she texts me once a month, Hey, you can make a transfer. And I have a, a spreadsheet that both she and I have access to that I log in and it gives me an amount and I tra- that's the commissions I'm transferring out. What a lot of agencies do, and I think it's what Scott was doing is you just leave the commissions in there until maybe the end of the year or every six months, but because it also gives you a little bit of like a buffer and escrow account in the case of what I'm dealing with now, where I got a client that doesn't want to pay me, you can pay it and it's no big deal. So she was smart enough. It sounds like to take that money and not take the actual premium money, which to be honest with you, like if I'm you and I'm a level eight out of 10 stressed, if I found out there's policies not being paid, that takes it to like a 3000 out of 10 stress. It can always be worse. You know, that's the last thing anybody wants to hear. As I was telling you last night, the reason I don't think she was taking policy premium was because there were so many checks and so much money being taken out a month from that account. If she had been taking policy premium, not too terribly long after she started doing that, probably take a month, maybe two, mm-hmm. that account would redline. Yeah. Or you, you would have saying? carriers emailing you, hey, we hadn't got paid. Correct. And, so. and, poli- and policy holders calling saying, hey, right. I just got a cancellation notice of my insurance. I already paid my insurance. Right. So I don't think she was doing that, but you are correct. If I find out that that is what was going on, that's going to be a, that's going to be a new level. Of and you got to talk to the DOI. Right. Exactly. And still might not be a bad idea to reach out to them just to say, Hey, this is what happened. So talk a little bit about, you had the two people doing it to talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So, and I had already kind of figured this out 
I'd already kind of figured this out the night before, but I thought if at that time I didn't think she was doing anything because I trusted her so much. She, she was just one of those people that you would never think would do something like this. I stalked her online last night. I got that vibe too. Yeah. <laughs> so what was happening is what I thought was happening when she started doing this. I was under the impression, and I did this purposefully, they do the reconciliation together because then you kind of got a balance there, right? You've got one hand, you've got two people doing the reconciliation. So if one person's doing something funny, the other person's going to catch it and then they can come to me and say, hey, something weird's going on here. What she did is when she started doing this, she told the other account manager, hey, you're on personal lines. I'm on commercial. Let's make this quicker. Let's do this reconciliation quicker. And you just do the personal lines and I will do the commercial. Which defeats the whole purpose of having two per people do it because you have checks and balances. And Correct. Yeah. Correct. So that's why I said, I bet the other girl feels terrible because by sure. her agreeing to that, it basically created a vacuum in which this could happen. Correct. That's um, exactly what happened. It would take me like a year to get over that if I was the other girl. Yeah. Like it would take me a while to get over that. Well, it happened and we are where we are with it. We have got a lot more work to do. Uh, I'm trying to think questions that these agents are going to have for me relative to this. Uh, go ahead. I'm, I'm listening. channeling. The first Please. one is how long has this person worked for you? I believe I was looking at her employment agreement yesterday because I had to get some information for the police, you know, pertaining to all of her information. And I believe that she started with us in December of 2019. So all of 2020, all of 21 and all of 22. Now the reason, and I haven't gone back and looked yet, but the reason I think that this started in March of 2020 no, May, May or March. I can't remember. 2021, right? Uh, tw uh, yeah, 2021, excuse me. Uh, the reason I don't think, and again, we're going to go back and look and see if we have checks dating all the way back into 2020, is the first check that they found in 2021 was in like May. So from January to May, nothing. But when she started. So she started like right away, dude. Well, no, she started worked, in she would have oh, worked she, oh, 2019. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. But when she started, Bradley, she yeah. never let up. Yeah. It was, it was four to six checks a month posited into that, her personal account that each mm -hmm. check was anywhere from $1,200 to $2,800 each check. Mm -hmm. So that's where we are today. Give me your next question. And you're going to love this question. Have you pulled the Laura Bruno personality assessment to see if there was anything in there that indicated something like this could happen. No, and I, I bet you, not. if you haven't done that, you will do that as soon as we get off this podcast. I have not, but I will say I have all of those just about mm -hmm. memorized anyway. And I, there would not have been anything on that, but no different than when your spouse cheats on you or something like this happens in business. When it does happen, you start remembering red flags. Yeah, yeah. You start thinking about red flags. For instance, I was sitting here about two weeks ago and I needed to write a check off that sweep account. And I look in my checkbook and I start looking in my desk drawers and I'm like, wait a minute, I just ordered a book. And I said this early on, I hardly ever write checks off of that account. 
because it's a sweep account. And I just, unless it's a refund or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I remember thinking to myself, why do I only have like six brokerage sweep account checks left? I just ordered but, some about a year ago. But you're kind of like me. You probably blame yourself in that moment. And you're like, well, I'm just yeah. so busy. I guess I didn't realize I've been, you know. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Of course, thousand percent my fault for not deep diving into the sweep account to look at every check every month, which now then I'm going to take well, that over. It's one of those things, man. Everything that happens at a business, even if it's not directly caused by you, falls on your shoulders. And it Correct. is, it, it, you know what I mean? Correct. But at the same time, I mean, it's a huge learning experience for not only you and everybody in this podcast and me. And I know I'm laughing at a couple things because it's entertaining, but I hate that it happened, you know. I do too. And uh, it it won't happen again, you know. No. It's you know, you know how to prevent it from happening next time. Um, you know, and, you know and, go ahead. I'm sorry. And so, t- like the so the bank did the bank put the money back in your account provisionally. So remember last time when we talked about Mr. Jalen Knowles. We're going to get the bank, with his name on them. The, <laughs> Turn yourself in. The bank will refund any fraudulent activity in terms of checks. I can't speak for credit and debit cards. Uh-huh. In terms of checks and things like that, they will refund anything back 60 days. Ooh, only 60 days? 60 days. Ugh. So the next option is the Secret Service is is freezing her account right now as we speak. That account is being frozen like today, this like morning. right now, like right now. Yeah, just just hung up with the fraud investigator. As we're sitting here right now, her account is being frozen. Now, what you don't know is whether she ran over as soon as she left yesterday, pulled all the money out of that account, and then shut the account down. I don't know. How stupid is it to write checks to yourself in your own name and then deposit them in your bank? The only thing that would have made it stupider was if she was depositing them at the same bank that the check was, was what the account was with. Right. Well, I think the important lesson that I wanted to talk to insurance agents today about based on my mistakes, things that I've done wrong, is you need to periodically do a deep dive into all of your accounts for your business and including opening up those checks that are online, printing them out, looking at them, make sure that the person that was supposed to be writing them are the ones that wrote them and that they're for the correct amounts. Cause all it would have taken at any given time for me to catch this is if I would have clicked on one of those blue hyperlinks mm-hmm. and seen her name on a check, I would have thought, wait a minute that's weird or if the daggum account it hadn't accidentally toggled over like right you know and so another question that the listeners are thinking and i've got up to go to the restroom a little bit ago and you may have already said this is Uh do you or do you not think this is related to Jalen knowles because if it's not it's daggum sure coincidental i mean i would agree with that but because of the record because this has been going on for so long and done the exact same way by her, I can't imagine that they would be correlated. But let me tell you what happened with Mr. Jalen Knowles. So in the course of finding out about this, we find two more checks that have been deposited in the past week. Sweep account checks. Let me back up. We thought were sweep account checks. Right. In the memo line it has and says refund for policy and it's the exact same policy Mm. 
that was refunded for Mr. Jalen Knowles check. So here's what happened. Not only did whoever do the Jalen Knowles check thing, not only did they do a home ec project, change the name and deposit the check in the Bank of America, they took that check, put it on a printer. Now these are security checks, so it's impossible to completely and that's where we got them on this is those were, these are all security checks. You can't just put that check in a printer and it come out and look exactly the same. Okay. And you also but have they, like the watermark thing that'll show up. Correct. They did though. They took that check that Jalen Knowles cashed and they made copies of it and they are depositing checks or trying to, which now all this has been shut down. I, I actually opened up a brand new uh, sweep account and a yeah. brand new operating line account for, for both. And then, which is start, such a pain in the ass. It is. And I'm working through all that too. Not only the process of opening a new checking account, the banks have made it absolutely archaic. It's terrible, right. but getting all the automated drafts, uh, like that just gives me hives thinking about. Right. Basically they, they did a home ec project. Zip, they they used white out with some kind of uh, dye in it to match the color of the check left my signature on the check and so now they're trying to take that check that they've copied probably a hundred times and use the same policy number refund policy number blah, blah 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 and then now they're trying to cash checks off that sweep account in addition to the young lady that we have found who has stolen close to a hundred thousand dollars. So how does the restitution work? You know what I mean? Like, how does that piece work? You know, I don't know. I think the way this is going to shake out, unless there is a significant amount of money in that account, which I doubt there is, you know, the investigator told me five minutes before I got on this podcast, he said, look, I'm shutting that countdown now. Mm -hmm. Like when we hang up, I'm calling Redstone. He said, we work very closely with their fraud department. Mm-hmm. I'm going to freeze that account. They want to prevent it just as much as, you know, right. cause it, it's, it hurts them too, because they've taken the money she's deposited it and invested it. Correct. And now they have to undo all. I mean, there's no telling what has to be done on their end too. Correct. Um, so, so any money that is in that account right now mm-hmm. will be get coming back to me, but who's to say that when I walked her out yesterday to get in her vehicle, she didn't drive a hundred yards to Redstone Federal from our office, shut the account down, take all the money. Or she had already spent it. And that was the problem is like, you do it a couple times and you're like, oh, I like having this extra money. I got to do it again. I'll just do it. I bet every single time, Scott, is I'll do it one more time. 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 But, you know, I talked to a, a buddy of mine um, whom you know, who had a, uh, a cyber claim in his business recently. And, and, and I'm thinking about it equate to like, like your crime policy or employee dishonesty, that sort of thing. Um, and I don't know what your status is there, but when you actually go through one of these, he's talking about cyber claims. So when you actually go through one of these, you understand why they ask the questions they ask on the application. Right. It's like, it kind it made me a better insurance agent, like knowing, okay, that's why they asked this. Mm-hmm. And it gives you a little bit more like air cover for like practical application when you're trying to sell it to a customer, you know? Right. What I have learned from this is, and this is kind of, I guess, in a way, sort of funny. When we all got here yesterday morning, before all this happened, I had a uh, locksmith here putting, rekeying my door 
over to my Be- office before you. Which might, which if I if I'm if I'm her, I'm like that might be the first shot across the bow <laughs> is he's re- like dude standing here at eight thirty rekeying my door. That's hilarious. Second second thing, and I'm just gonna give you guys just painting. I'm painting with a broad brush here. Not always the case. Do not give anybody else access to book checkbooks, which she did not have a checkbook. She was literally coming in here and getting four or five checks at a time out of my top right desk drawer, which I might have caught. Here comes here comes the number two thing: cameras in your office. Mm-hmm. And if I'm putting cameras in my office, which I am, that camera is going to be looking from the top down to my behind basically and, looking and you have cameras in other down. locations right you just I don't do. have them in this one because it's the one you work out of correct right correct but if i'm if i'm an agent now and we know this has happened to scott i'm putting a blink camera or having a person come in and install a camera behind me looking down on my computer so i can see if somebody comes in here and mm-hmm. is monkeying with my computer or getting into my desk drawers Yet another reason, guys, why you need to create content and just have a full-time videographer that films everything. Correct. Um, Yes. Here's a question. Do you know if there's any other checks that she has that she could go about writing now that you've closed the account and all of a sudden you're getting hit up with bad check stuff, you know? Well, well, I've talked to to the bank about that. And so what they're going to do is monitor that. And I'm, when we get off this podcast, one of the 4,000 things I've got to do today is get them all of the outstanding checks. And Mm -hmm. then they're going to shut down any that I don't, you know, basically are outstanding besides the ones I tell them. I know, I know of people who have had people steal checks from their checkbooks, write bad checks. And the person who had the check stolen from them get like a charge and you have to prove that, you know what I'm saying? And everything's taken care of, but your mugshot still like it's the damage is done. You know what I mean? Um, uh, other, other things that I'm going to mention on here before we get off this podcast today, cause I want to help these agents any way I can. Some of the other red flags that looking back on it now, I probably should have thought about. So you had an eye patch and wore a pirate hat. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry lavish trips Mm. outside of someone of what you perceive. And I tell people this all the time. You don't ever know somebody's circumstance. You don't know. Maybe they had a rich uncle die and left them a million dollars. You don't know. Maybe they've got a bunch of debt and they're putting everything on the credit card. But, but lavish trips, a lot of lavish trips in a row, right? Correct. That was nice of you to send them on those trips. I paid for all of those. (laughs) Another thing that I think if I was an agency owner and I had people doing reconciliations for me or had some kind of control, not control, but access to anything in my agency, if they're going through a divorce, if they're going through child custody, if they're having to hire an attorney for something, those types of things. Not there's anything wrong with it. It's just indicators that you may. Yeah may be an indicator desperate people desperate people do stupid things as my not friend dave ramsey would say and i'm not saying that she was doing any of those had any of that stuff going on i'm just saying those to me would be red flags i would think okay maybe i need to watch this a little more Mm -hmm. the last thing i'll end with bradley is when i walked her down and came back up to the conference room everybody's just sitting there in stunned silence they asked me are you going to press charges this is my people talking now yeah. And I said, you know, I probably wouldn't press charges. 
don't want her to go to jail. I do think she's a good person. I think she just rationalized and justified a bad, 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 bad decision. Mm-hmm. But I said, I am pressing charges. And the reason I'm pressing charges is because about once every six months, I remind all of my people, if I catch you stealing the money, I'm going to send you to jail. And I believe in my heart that you can't say one thing and do another. And I will, I will end with this. And this is what I told my people yesterday who were just all just shell-shocked. Everybody was shell-shocked. So I got them together. We did an emergency staff meeting. And I said this. I said, guys, I know you don't believe me right now. And I know that this is very difficult for all of us because she was a part of our family. And she really was. And we all loved her. And she was a part of us. But I said, every single time that we go through something like this as an agency, we come out better on the other side and and it'll happen again. It's going to create more processes and more fail safes and fire stops for anything like this to happen again. I'm going to be more careful. I'm going to be more diligent. You know, whoever we hire to take her place. We'll probably hopefully do a better job than she did. And we will get through this. This is not something that we can't get through. So I do believe that in my heart. I do believe that we will be a better agency for this. It's just a very, very, very expensive lesson. Yep. And one that I don't want other agents to have to go through. Exactly. Exactly. Any other questions before we run? Nope. I think it's a good, good note to end on. Actually, tell them what Justin did. Oh, gosh. And then well, we as, I was, as I was walking her out, he was walking into the office and I said, Hey, I need you to get your laptop and get in the conference room right now. He has no idea about anything that's going on. Nothing. Like he's looking at me like, what the hell is going on? I go, I take it. He goes in the conference room. I come back up the stairs after taking her to her vehicle. And I said, I need her out of everything we have, including the website. Every, and in less than 30 seconds, he's got her off the website. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> literally. Five minutes after this happens, she's off the website. And now we're making the transition. You know, her email address is being transferred to the new account manager and mm-hmm. all the systems she's now blocked from there's a probably five minutes. There's a good use case here because like independent agencies are really bad about sharing passwords. I've learned. Um, and a lot of it is is propagated by the carriers. I don't know if that's the right word, but a lot of it's propagated by the carriers because mm-hmm. A lot of the carriers, for example, National General, Progressive, mm-hmm. is one password, right? One login. There's a good use case here for a password manager. Right. And and we use in our agency, we excuse me, we use Dashlane. That's what we um, use. Dashlane to me is the most advanced one. Um, I like how it auto logs people in, but what it also allows you to do is you can go in and lock people out. So mm-hmm. the uh, obviously my as we were hiring, hiring new people, we did this about a year ago, but as we're hiring people, you know, I don't even want these people to some of these people, like, I don't even want people to know what their password is. They just mm-hmm. use Dashlane. That way you can click of a button. They're out of everything from a cybersecurity right. piracy standpoint, you know, and then it also gives you, this is not an advertisement for them, but it also gives you like a password health at like a 30,000 foot level of the passwords that they set for themselves. How secure are they? We implemented that. We we changed cyber carriers and tried to get a more or did get a more robust policy. They made us kind of do a lot of that. But yeah, that's something I think agency to think about is like starting at the end and working their way backwards. Like, okay, when Correct. I have to separate ties with this person, what are some things I'm going to wish I'd, I've done? 
to make it easier on myself. Oh, one right. password, you know, let's back into it. That sort of thing, you know. Um, one, one other thing I'll mention, Bradley, and it's not so much the case with her because she did not take a lot of calls on her cell phone, personal cell phone. I did not have a business phone for her. And that, that what you just said is fantastic. And I think it's something every agency needs to do is, is that there's a hundred different password managers out there. Yeah. Uh, you know, the dash lane's just one of a million. But one other thing that we are instituting with all new hires, not VAs, because that's something completely different. But for the people we hire in the U.S., we are going to buy an app or get an app that will, if they're going to make a business call or give someone their cell phone number, it'll be the number that we give them. A so that line, yeah. if, if they get fired or leave, we can literally just transfer mm-hmm. that number that they've been using for that still comes to their one cell phone, but it's, it's a different number than their yeah. personal cell number. Mm-hmm. And that way, if something like this were to happen again, we just literally get on the app and transfer that number to another person's cell phone. Yeah. The uh, requiring your people to take all calls on the office line, whether it's on their phone or on the, a desk phone or on a computer cell phone is like one of the most valuable pieces of ENO advice I can tell everybody. And I'm not going to say that we're not guilty of doing that sometime because a lot of my people have their own referral partners. They'll reach out that way. But at some point you need to try to migrate that customer back to the office line. Right. Because it just creates a headache for you too, getting all these calls and that sort of thing. But well, if you're if you're using a company like Lightspeed and they're and they're and you're yeah. using your office phone or have the app on your cell phone, mm-hmm. that's going to record. So now from an ENO perspective, you have that call. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's super important to do these types of things because like I said, just put yourself in the shoes of, okay, you've got a potential ENO claim or a client saying that they didn't know they had this and you're telling them they do. And, and, and you log in and you don't have that recording because all the calls were on a cell phone. Like how much would you pay in that moment? You know, I had an issue the other day. It wasn't an ENO issue. The guy was just being a dick. And I was like, man, it'd be really nice if I had a phone call, I could send him but we didn't have the phone call recorded, not because it wasn't on the office line. It was because we swapped providers and we were outside of the time frame of where they keep the, uh, the recording. And the other party was also ring central who absolutely hates my guts because I tell everybody how crappy they are. And we, we didn't have the recording. And in that moment, I probably would have stroked a check for a thousand dollars to get that recording or more just mm. to shut him up, you know? So mm. think about that you know, when it comes to that. And then, and then also, you know, anytime a change is made on a policy, even with carriers that don't require signatures, like a Liberty or someone get it signed. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay. You should have an easy e-signature process so you can get it signed very easily every single time. Anytime a change is made on there, get it signed. Right. You know, these kind of things help you out. And I'm talking to myself too. And this, you know, so, yeah. well, buddy, I hate that it happened. I am very proud of you for the way that you are handling it. I don't think you could have handled it more perfectly. Clint said, I, we walked outside to go eat lunch yesterday mm-hmm. after, I mean, you very much hours. deserved. You probably two, deserved a beer or two, too. Yeah. Two, two hours. And he looks at me and he goes, you just gave a master's class on how to let somebody go. Mm-hmm. But guys, the reason I'm telling you guys about this today, I don't want you to have to make a mistake tax. There's no, there's no reason for you to make a mistake tax when you've got this podcast to listen to all of Scott's mistakes and the things that he's done wrong. You just, just use this and say, okay, he's a complete dumbass. 
and I don't want to be a dumbass, and I don't want to have to go through what he's going through. So we're going to do things. We're not going to do that. We're not going to do that because my job is to help you insurance agents. Every, every time you listen to this podcast, make sure that I provide value to you guys. And sometimes that value is in the, in the form of mistakes that we've made. And hopefully it will help you not stub your toe or do something or, or, or have a situation like this come up where, or help your clients. Yeah, right. Exactly. So as I end every podcast, guys, rewards come from action, not discussion. Get your ass out from behind that desk today. Go out into the big, bad world. Make money for your family, for your wife, for your husband, for your kids' college fund, and for your parents that are struggling out there today. Go, get, go figure out what your why is and make money for them. Have great processes and procedures. Be careful who you let do things financially in your agency. Don't make the same mistakes that I've made. Write good business for the agency that you represent and write good business for the companies that you represent. Bradley Flowers, I love you. Don't steal the money. Don't steal the damn money. All right, see ya. All right, guys, you are listening to the Insurance Guys podcast, and we love each and every one of you. Thank you so much for being a part of our family, and we'll see you back here real soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at scott at iprotectinsurance.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to portalinsurance.com or email him at bradley at portalinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. Thank you so much for listening to our show and being a part of our family. And we look forward to seeing you again next week on the next episode of the Insurance Guys podcast. Take care.